Hello and welcome to Execute Chapter 66, a Star Wars fiction podcast where we discuss canon, legends, and beyond. Tonight, it's Back to the High Republic with Path of Deceit by Tessa Grattan and Justina Ireland. My name is Beth Van Dusen, and with me as always are Ryan Schweck and Chad J. Schonk. Over to you first, Chad. This is your reminder that this is a book club and not a review show. We are going to spoil this brand new book. In addition, over the course of our conversation, we may spoil anything else Star Wars that crosses our path. So that has been your spoiler warning. Ryan, uh, what's the word on the street? Well, we've had a couple of movie and Disney Plus and action figure news that have come down the line. London Comic Con followed up Hasbro Pulse Con. Um, Pulse Con didn't have very much stuff. We just got some retreads and some nothing exciting. Like I think the big reveal is they're re-releasing the Boba Fett figure they've released like six times. So awesome. Thanks guys. Um, London Comic Con, we did get to see um, a little bit more um, and got to see some better pictures of stuff that we had previously heard about. Um, And so for the black series, they're continuing. We got the scar trooper, um, we are finally getting Mara Jade. She looks great. Um, she's up for order right now. I, you know, I was talking to somebody and the only thing I hate about Jade is she doesn't have the wrist, um, holster that they talk about so much in Air to the Empire. I don't know if it would work on a figure. It probably wouldn't. It would be too big. Um, Does the old, little, the old one have no three quarter inch habit? It doesn't because it's such like a big chunky thing, um, but it's great looking. And then we're getting a new Dr. Afra. Um, Afra is one of the ones that on the secondary market goes for a lot of money. Um, and she was kind of hard to find. And uh, Yes, she is. Cause that's why I bought the new one. <laughs> Did you buy the new one? And I like the new one, you know, she's different enough. She's got the trench coat. Um, yeah. This one, her helmet and her goggles come off which is a nice little touch. Um, I ordered Afra and Marjade. Yeah, or Marjade. Um, I didn't order Afra because I've got the other one. The other one's just very expensive. Yeah. And I've been able to find the other ones at clearance at GameStop a lot, so I'm going to hope I can find her at GameStop. Um, it is interesting um, with Darth, Darth Malak and uh, Bastilla Shan, who also went up for sale. Previously, the gaming greats figures were GameStop exclusives, which in some cases made them kind of hard to find sometimes. And this is the first time we're going to get gaming figures that aren't at GameStop. And what people are thinking is that Hasbro is kind of losing faith in GameStop. And, you know, I think the rest of the world is losing faith in GameStop. I was going to say, that took a long time for Hasbro then Mm -hmm. because everybody else lost it a while Mm -hmm. ago. And then the other figure we got, you know, they're still doing that Tuesdays announcements, the uh, Force Tuesdays, and we got Vel Sartha 
from Andor, which of course I ordered immediately. You know, now I want Velsartha not in just her commando outfit, but also her classy Coruscant outfit. But we'll get to all those later. Uh, so those were our London Comic Con. Um, over in the Disney Plus kind of news and rumors, um, Acolyte has started filming. So that is moving forward quickly. Lando, nowhere to be seen. Nowhere to be seen. Ahsoka has wrapped for some principal characters. So they posted a really cool image of Rosario Dawson. And I cannot remember her name, but play Sabine. But they posted some images of them. And then they also said in the interview that we should probably expect to see some of the skeleton crew staff on the next series of Mandalorian in some form, whether it's, you know, just one person or whoever it is, but there's going to be some introduction there. And then on the movie news, um, they have announced that, and I'm not going to say her name correctly, so I apologize. Charmaine obad Shinoy who directed um, part of the Miss Marvel series has been hired to direct the script by Lindolf and Justin Britt Gibson. What is also interesting is that in an interview talking to Lucasfilm, they've identified that as the 2025 movie which people previously thought was Watiti's. And so it looks like that has replaced it on the schedule. Um, tied to that, Hollywood Reporter uh, also reported that Lucasfilm has essentially told Kennedy she's not allowed to announce any more movies. Um, that the uppers in Disney have told her that they aren't going to announce anything else until... We actually get something. Right, because Taika's movie is a ghost, and we know Rogue Squadron's never going to happen. Yep. So, and then the whatever. Ryan jo- the Ryan Johnson trilogy. Ryan Johnson, the D.B. Weiss, the Weiss and Benny Thrones guys. Yeah. Yeah. Like, there's just been this, like, pattern of all this stuff being announced, and then it just goes to hell, so... They have apparently said no more and they aren't going to announce anything until we have something definitive. That's okay. Star Wars is TV right now. I'm fine with that. When they throw a movie in my lap, I'll watch it. Yeah, I'm totally good with that. So that's about all in the news. What's going on in the comic books, Chad? Some cool stuff. Dr. Afro number 25 by Wong and Jung. Uh, Chelly's Angels continue their mission to save Afra from the Spark Eternal. BT and Triple Zero get to do some murder. We learn a little bit more about the Archivist from uh, Crimson mm. Rain. Okay, Alyssa, the storyline has been cool, but it's been going on too long. Let's wrap it up. That's that's all. Yeah. It's a good story, but it's it's been going on. We're getting to War of the Bounty Hunters level of tediousness. As I say, that seems to be a pattern recently in the Star Wars comics that they're letting arcs go on past a little bit shelf past life yeah a little like bit, a little bit six issues usually is good for a crimson rain got in and out yeah 
Uh, Bounty Hunters number 28 by Saxon Villanelli. After their failed rescue mission, the Bounty Hunters find themselves in more hot water involving the Pikes. Also, Valance's heroic deeds against Crimson Dawn have brought him back into the good graces of Lord Vader. And then Star Wars 29 by Sul and Rosanis. Uh, this one was really interesting. At the advice of Haldo, the gang takes a little break from fighting and they get a little R&R, but not, don't worry, not on the Halcyon. They also may have stumbled upon a little part of space called No Space. I'm sure nothing bad has ever happened there. I saw the picture of that. That's a- yeah. The, the, the storyline involves them, an auction for a Nihil attack cruiser. Hmm. And they find a path drive, and the path drive ends up taking them to no space. Okay. Yeah. That's a good. So, yeah. So, and it's Sewell writing it, so he knows it what he's talking bad. about. Yeah. He knows what he knows what he's talking about. <laughs> so Sewell can so, say whatever he wants about that. It'll, stuff. it'll be interesting to see how they with how they're going to use. I, I think now that Phase One is clear, they can kind of use Phase One stuff. So they're they're very they're very explicit that it's a high republic Nihil ship. So So tonight we're going to be talking about Path of Deceit, which, you know, the High Republic is back in pog form. Every time I say something's back, <laughs> it's be in pog I have to form. say it's got to be a pog form. Now, while pogs are not force back. artifacts, <laughs> although a force endued pog would be pretty awesome. Um, well, it would beat all the elf pogs. <laughs> Over the years, there have been quite a few objects and technology and things that have been used in stories to be, I guess, infused with the Force or give you powers in the Force and things like that. Um, And Path of Deceit is no different. And so we thought we'd start tonight just by talking about a few Force objects, artifacts that have stuck out over the years. Um so, Chad, what was the first one you had on your list? So, we know two things about Sith. One, they want to live forever. And two, they like their headgear. So, the first thing that I popped in my mind were the Sith masks. There's the mask of Momin, the mask of Exum Panshard that we read about in um, Shadow of the Sith. And then even, I think, Dark Nihilus's mask retains oh, yeah. some of his personality. That one's right. on my list. Mine too. Yeah, so I kind of grouped them all together in this idea of these Sith masks that that the Sith used to. Um, for some reason, it's always a mask 
that they use to retain their hold into the mortal world that they try to put their soul into. Basically, they're they use them as horcruxes, basically. Um, but uh, the Mask of Moment is the one that first popped into my head because of the comic book that it's in is one of my favorites. Um, and we had just read the one. Uh, we had just read Shadow of the Sith recently. But uh, yeah, Sith Masks was the first thing that I came up with. It's like cool uh, force object, dark side objects, I guess, technically. But I don't remember. Nihilus' Nihilus's personality is trapped in his mask or he's trapped in his mask or... Yeah, his mask, he starts to imbue it with all his hate and power and it eats away at his body. And That's then right. That's it can right. be passed on and uh, it'll, you know, will also start to eat the next person. But like Nihilus's mask got powerful enough that you could like destroy planets with it. It's a pretty powerful mask. Mm-hmm. Happy Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> Beth, what was the first one that you had? The first thing that came to mind, besides um, holocrons and and all of that stuff that we've heard a lot of, was, and I can't even find the name of it right now, but the Sith Temple that Erica Quell finds on random asteroid at the end of the Alphabet Squadron t- trilogy. Because... You have to just become sad enough and angry enough that a temple opens and you get a badass starfighter for it. It wasn't it the starfighter that we kind of they kind of abandoned in the story. Yes. Um, and then I think there was a it appeared somewhere else like there was a callback to it in a later book, but it was an earlier time. I think it might have even been a High Republic book. Regardless, it's a it's a temple that you you just have to have feelings around, I guess. And after you have enough feelings around it, it opens up, and here's a free spaceship. You know, there's prizes on the dark side. Exactly, Jedi don't give out prizes. It's like a yeah, claw machine yeah. for the Sith. <laughs> yeah, the Jedi aren't giving you prizes. <laughs> Um, Jedi just tell you not to enjoy shit. Yeah. Yeah. Prizes are probably against the code and some stuffy old master will tell you not to get attached to your sweet new prize. You got what a bunch of jerks. So my first artifact is one that not a lot of people remember is a force artifact and actually appears in return of the Jedi. And that is the staff of Logre also known as the Staff <laughs> of Power. So Logre is walking around with that staff, and it turns out, if a Force user holds it, it like greatly increases your Force ability. But if Logre doesn't hand it to you, it burns you and like throws you across the room. This was, of course, taken from the well-received Star Wars media, the Ewok cartoon. <laughs> Get ready. <laughs> I've got a few from the Ewok cartoon. I, I have to say, I was horrified when I just Googled uh, if, you know, there were things I was like, well, let me have some backups. Let me Google force artifacts. Horrified to discover how many Wikipedia entries are from that Ewok cartoon. Oh, yeah. Horrified. What, should we do an episode about the Ewok cartoon? <laughs> do you know who wrote the pilot to Ewoks? 
No. Paul Dini. Really? Creator of Batman the Animated Series. Or co-creator. Mm-hmm. That was one of his first gigs was writing for Ewoks. Everybody's got to start somewhere. Yeah, I think he wrote a lot of episodes of it, but I know he wrote the pilot. It's very stark when you, you turn on the pilot for Ewoks because it's really I've watched the pilot that Ewoks multiple times because it's hard to get past the pilot. And because so I've watched so I've sat down to like watch the show more than once and I just can't get past the pilot. But every time that name comes uh, written by Paul Denny comes up every time. So I always remember that. Chad what's the next one on your list. Um, one thing that popped into my head was the original Kyber Crystal. Mm-hmm. Not not what not what we think of Kyber Crystals now, but how Lucas first envisioned it and how we saw it used in Splinter of the Mind's Eye. Just just a, a crystal that when you basically when you put it in your pocket, it makes you stronger in the force. In fact, it makes Luke capable of chopping Darth Vader's arm off mm-hmm. and making him fall down a pit. Although, if I remember correctly, he just kind of falls down the pit on his own. So many force artifacts are like the star in Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> like, <laughs> you get it and you touch it and you're like invincible and you can do all this crazy stuff. Yeah. But forever, the Kyber Crystal was a singular thing that was just this very, very powerful enhancer of the force. Um, that that if you, I think if you go back to like the original drafts of Star Wars and Lucas's original ideas and stuff, he mentions the Kyber Crystal. In, in all those things. And Splinter of the Mind's Eye was obviously done under his watch. Mm-hmm. But um, but uh, yeah, the original Kyber Crystal and, and before they started, before it was something that you, before before it was even in lightsabers, before it was mined, before any of this stuff, it was just a, it was just a rock. Well, in these days we've learned if you walk around and act a little jaded and depressed and unsure of your path in the future, Someone will give you a Kyber necklace to wear for a little while. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, they just have enough of that stuff to just throw to anybody. People, they're just going to toss out into the universe. All right, Beth, what do you got next? Next, I think I will pull from a video game and go with the Astriums from Jedi Fallen Order. They were created by the Zepho, which is a terrible species name it sounds like zeppo i don't like it (laughs) i think if there was not such a thing as zeppo it would it wouldn't be a problem but it is but it is a a key to the video game and it's why you have to go to dathomir and and oh dathomir on that game dathomir was so hard in that game those stupid guys with the bows and arrows like, where is he? I don't know where he is, but I'm sure getting hit by a bow and Black arrow. Black Series figure coming out soon. Yeah, it's actually yeah. out. You can oh, is it the Archer? GameStop exclusive. Yeah. Don't buy full price. Anyway, the Astriums were uh, created by the Zepho. They can be interacted with uh, by Force users. And that is where Jedi Master Eno Cordova hid the Holocron, which he somehow knew would come in handy later with a list of fourth sensitive children hidden all throughout the galaxy. So for my second one, I'm going to take it all the way back to the Ewok show. <laughs> not, not that far, but pretty okay. close. Back. I'm taking it all the way back to wizards of the coast. Um, yes. Back in the day. And my second one is the soul saver. The soul saver was 
and when Wizards of the uh, Coast put out those books, um, the Children yeah. of Light saga. Yeah, they had a role playing game. They had mm-hmm. the role playing game license for a certain amount of time after West End Games lost it. Mm-hmm. So the Soul Saver, you know, it's your typical like you know dark side artifact like we talked about where you hold it and it makes you more powerful. But what's awesome about the Soul Saver is its sweet design. So it's a lightsaber hilt that has a dragon head coming out of the end of it. And out of the dragon's mouth comes a black, like lightsaber esque power that is pure dark side energy. It's an item so badass that the force itself made a cocoon to hide it. It's the most metal star Wars object <laughs> ever. So yeah, the soul saver. And then what's awesome about the soul saver, the way that book ends, like it's this whole book where they like go find it and they're attacked by like, you know, all these people and then they get it and they just take it to the Alliance. The end, like that's the whole book. <laughs> like they free it and they take it back and then we never hear of it again. Do you see from Hasbro that Watsi is now on its own a billion dollar company? Is it really? It's Magic's nuts. never been more popular. And neither is Dungeons and Dragons. D&D's had a big comeback. D&D's got a huge comeback, and Magic is making more money every year than it ever has. I'm telling you, Pogs. Pogs are next. <laughs> Pogs are next. <laughs> um, who are we two back to? Chad, what's yeah, your I got, one? I got one more. I got one from a video game. This one is just because of the name. The Lightsaber of the Black Bishop. Oh, that's a good one, too. Otherwise known as Lord Corvax's lightsaber. This is from the Vader Immortal VR game. Lord Corvax is an important character in the history of Mustafar. And his lightsaber is just a super cool looking, uh, super cool looking. And it's you you use it in the game to destroy the Aeon engine, which is that game's thingamajigger that you need to blow up. It's mostly just a really cool ancient looking saber with this little kind of spindly hilt and, and everything. And um, But I've held it in my hands in VR, but still... <laughs> Still, I've held it in my hands, and it's, it's pretty cool to wield it. But but come on, lightsaber of the Black Bishop. It's like a Danzig album. <laughs> All right, that's what you got for your last one. Well, I only picked this one because I thought the name was hysterical. I didn't know that the um, temple rocks left over on Tython were called the Force Henge. <laughs> <laughs> but I love it. <laughs> And I'm here for it. So um, one of the greatest henges ever created. <laughs> Nobody knows what a henge is. Um, so the the rocks on Tython obviously have been there for a long time. We've been to Tython many many times throughout the millennia. But um, yeah, apparently the the place where Grogu sends his uh, brain force text to Luke Skywalker is the Force Henge. It's just a fancy way to call people i guess it's just a fancy phone system for well, what they call the stone, the stone it's called like the seeing stone yes in the middle yeah yes but i guess around the seeing stone that is that is the hinge <laughs> my last one is from the clone wars from the makers of many force artifacts the night sisters and it was the bardotten sphere so we get um it's in the, what was it? Uh, the Disappeared arc from Clone Wars. And so it's a sphere. And when a force sensitive person holds it, it was like these cultists. It lights up 
and then just starts sucking the force out of anybody, and then it kills them. And so it's sometimes considered an anti-force artifact. And then what's fun about it is it's like a battery, and you just have to pick it up, and now you two have the force. The force is very mysterious. Now, I did have one extra one that's, you know, just a kind of a throwaway, and that's Vader's Castle, which I would consider a giant force artifact. It's a giant tuning fork that, you know, channels the dark side. And what do you do with all that power that you channel? You get sad about your girlfriend. (laughs) Wife. Wife. His wife. It is his wife. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's what that's what you need. That's why you take the lightsaber of the Black Bishop and destroy the Aeon Engine, is so he can't bring his wife back. That's the whole that's the whole story mm-hmm. of Vader Immortal. We should man- at least mention Holocrons as the kind of the original yeah. Force artifact. Um, Darth Bane's being maybe the most famous one, mm-hmm. but they have a because um, I don't think I think Holocrons. I think they came around in the Dark Empire comics. It was the first time they were introduced mm-hmm. in the back matter. If you remember the Dark Empire comics, there was the comic and then every issue had like eight pages of like backstory mm-hmm. in text that was written in the back. And, and a lot of it was journal entries from the, the Holocron of the ancient Jedi stuff. So Holocrons, another thing that used to be like super rare and you'd have to go on these like giant quests to find them. These days, they're in the back room on the shelf at Lucy's shop. Stones and earth birds just got them laying around. It is a time of great exploration. In an effort to unite the galaxy, the Chancellors of the Republic, working alongside the courageous and wise Jedi Knights, have dispatched dozens of Pathfinder teams into the farthest reaches of the Outer Rim. But it is also a time of great uncertainty, Communication is unreliable, and tall tales of mysterious planets and monstrous creatures abound. Prospectors and pirates roam the frontier, and the worlds of Iram and Orono are locked in a forever war. And on the far-off planet of Dulna, a new threat to the galaxy is beginning to emerge. Set 150 years before the events of Light of the Jedi, Path of the Sea brings, uh, begins Phase 2 of the High Republic. New characters, new locations, new situations, except they're totally connected to the future events that we've already read about. On the planet Dolna, there's a cult called the Path of the Open Hand, who believe that the Force is not to be used or manipulated like the Jedi do, but to be set free and to be left alone. They also believe that when you use the Force for good, something bad will happen somewhere else. So basically, they believe in balance and karma, which doesn't seem so bad, right? They're led by the mother, who in the audiobook sounds like Mr. Burns on that episode of The Simpsons where the X-Files shows up. I bring you peace. The mother runs the commune of seemingly harmless cultists and claims to have visions from the forest that lead the way. Someday, she and her people will leave Dalna on the currently under construction starship The Gaze Electric and spread the way of the path across the stars. Marta Rowe is a member of the path. She's a true believer, but yearns to be one of the children, that's with a capital C, that the mother sends out into the galaxy as missionaries for the path. Marta's cousin Yana is one of them, along with her girlfriend Kor, and we find out that what the children really do is find and steal force artifacts, resorting to violence if necessary, all in the name of freeing these mystical items from captivity and setting the force free. One such object is a little glowy orb thing that the mother is obsessed with, but more on that at the end. Unfortunately named Padawan Kevmo Zink and his master Zala come to Dalna looking for stolen Jedi artifacts. 
After meeting members of the path, they kind of instantly suspect them of being the culprits. Kevmo and Marta meet and immediately basically fall in love in a very teenagery, cringeworthy way, but can't see eye to eye on the force. But that doesn't stop them from crushing super hard the entire book and even making out a few times. Yana Rowe, however, wants out of the path because she really doesn't believe in it. And as one of the children, she has seen what the mother is really up to and tells the mother she is done and that after her next mission, she is leaving Dalna forever. Upon learning her cousin's plans to bail, Marta tries to convince her to stay, but to no avail. Hey, that rhymed. On Yana's final mission, she and her team are ambushed and her girlfriend's core is killed. Their shuttle pilot and the mother's basically like kind of butt mucky Renfeld type guy is a guy named Sunshine. Admits that the mother set Yana up, none too happy that she planned on leaving the path. Yana heads back to Dalna, seeking revenge on the woman who killed the love of her life. Back on Dalna, the Jedi have decided it's time to recover the objects that the path has stolen, and they have a confrontation with the mother and other members of the Order. Yana arrives back just in time for the showdown, hellbent on vengeance. Just as things are reaching a fever pitch, something hatches from the orb the mother has been carrying around. It wasn't a crystal, it was an egg, and inside the egg is a little baby leveler. That's right, the leveler. The, the, the strongest of all of the nameless, the Shrikarai, the eaters of the force that caused so much chaos in Fallen Star, in, in, the, in the Fallen Star, uh, it, it's, it's, the, it's the, the thing that kills Jedi, the leveler. It comes at Master Zala like a spider monkey and latches onto her, and soon she goes the way of Loden Greatstorm and is turned into stone and then, and then ash. Kevmo runs, but not after being infected by the monster, and he dies too slowly with Marta holding him. With the help of Mother, Marta realizes that the reason the two Jedi are dead is because of their manipulation of the Force, that bad karma finally caught up with them. She loved Kevmo and hates the Jedi for making him exploit the Force in a way that got him killed. She vows, along with the Mother and her new leveler, Sunshine says he knows where he can get more of them, to take down the Jedi for good. Yana joins them, but secretly still harbors resentment towards the Mother and plans on taking her out one day. Knowing that the Jedi will follow up on their missing comrades, the path all board the Gaze Electric and take their cult out into the stars where they will, one can only assume, evolve into the Nile. I wonder if Marta Rowe would have changed her mind if she knew eventually they'd be listening to Wreck Punk. Mm-hmm. So uh, I didn't see the end coming, did you? Uh, no. Yeah, I, I mean, I think my biggest thing with this book and really all of phase two starting is, you know, that was that question of how's it going to tie in. And so I thought we were going to get like subtle, you know, <laughs> building towards the mystery of how this connects to the phase one yet. Yeah, nope. Nope. It is. No, we're, we're five tilt. pages in. You're five <laughs> yeah. or 10 pages in and you've heard the last name row and you've heard the words gaze electric. Mm-hmm. Yeah. By the end, they've got the rod of seasons and they've got the leveler. And I was like, well, all right. This is a can't miss book. This isn't like the other YA books. I mean, the other YA books, you kind of had to read them too, if you wanted the whole picture. But this is like, this is a, this is a big deal book. I mean, mm-hmm. the only difference between the YA and the adult books, really, I think maybe Kevin Scott said this, or one of the writers said this, that the only difference between the YA and the adult novels is the age of the protagonists. Might've been Justine Ireland that actually said that. And this is a, a can't miss book. Like this is... This is this is the is the reason why this is the first book of this phase. Yeah. Well, and I do I do like that they the YA books give Padawan something to do. Um, some sometimes like they do <laughs> sometimes they do too much of it. Um, we'll talk more about Kevmo, I'm sure. But um, 
yeah, the the Padawans always have some stuff to do in a YA book, and they've got enough younglings to to keep all the age groups going forever. But yeah, it just jumps right into it. It's not even subtle about it. So what about Kevmo? I mean, I like the fact that one of his his uh, defining characteristics is that he's a good flirter. He's a uh, he's the, the Jedi. What is it? The kids say DTF. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but he's not though. That's the thing. He actually has great restraint. He's just very charming. Yeah, and she uses it. She like when they get to the planet, she's like, "Hey, Kevmo, once you go up, pal around town and find out what's going on." Yeah, Zala knows what's up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He immediately bumps into some some people from the path. Yeah, but he gets a lecture as soon as he gets a kiss. I mean, they don't just get a kiss; they make out at one point. Yeah, that's the other thing the YA books have that the adult books don't have as much. Is a lot more sexy time in the YA books. Their flirting got a little too CW. <laughs> at times as someone who's watched his fair share and who still owns all of Dawson's Creek on DVD <laughs> it was still a little much uh, at times with Kevmo and um, Marta I did not expect Marta to be the one that came out of this hardcore though I thought that was really cool yeah she kind of gets radicalized yeah like she believes in all this path of the force stuff or she never stops believing hand. it yeah she just uh, goes a little more hardcore there at the end well, yeah, and it, it makes sense. She she doesn't like what uh, what the Jedi did to her beloved Kevmo. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> she, I mean, that's what it comes down to. I thought I thought that was a really clever way to twist her character around. You, you think that you know, you think for a second, you know, because because of the two, you think Yana would be the one that would be kind of the yeah the problem or the the one that's a little more because she's seen more of the galaxy and she's a little more wild and and everything. But no, it's going to be Marta's going to be the problem. Well, I expected that Yana would um, would bail and that Marta would be just kind of lost. But uh, yeah, that I didn't see either of them coming. I didn't expect Yana to be come to become the rebel and Marta to be the uh, oh, yeah, I'm a true believer and I'm going to I'm going to spread this word across the galaxy. Well, not just that. We're going to take out the Jedi. Mm. She's the one that kind of vocalizes. No, the Jedi have to go. Mm-hmm. This is the seed of the hatred of the Jedi. That because when the book starts, they don't hate the Jedi. They're distrustful of them, or, or, or they they disagree with how they do things. They don't hate them. But by the end of this book, they they've decided they want to destroy the Jedi, which you know seems to be a Roe family trait. I liked the the setup, or I guess the belief system of the path of the open hand, like this idea that they thought Are you the ready Jedi, to convert. You know, I might be, I, they gave me some flowers. They gave them freely. Um, <laughs> they showed me their open hands and I was like, all right guys. No, I thought that was an interesting idea that they don't like the Jedi because they take from the force and they believe that like, it kind of turns that balance, that notion of the balance of the force. It kind of goes along with it. Like, look, you can't be, using the force to push stuff around and play with flowers and there not be consequences somewhere else. It's like that, uh, you know, the butterfly flaps its wings thing. It's a, it's a very karmic kind of religion. And if it weren't for all that other hippie crap, some of it actually does kind of make sense. Mm-hmm. And she like, kind of starts to get Kevmo with it. Yeah. Like Kevmo kind of starts questioning like, well, do we actually know this isn't affecting something somewhere else? And I mean, I guess it's pretty offensive if, like, your religion is that the Force is, you know, this great thing. And then Kevmo shows up and starts using what you believe in to do tricks to flirt with you. (laughs) Hold up, pal. (laughs) 
but just like any other, just like any cult though, you know, you get to the head and it's rotten, you know? So like the, the ideas might be sound, but the mother is definitely dirty. Well, and the setup of it, like I, I think that's really one thing I like, like, yeah, mother is there, but then you've got the Herald who I thought was really cool. Used to be one of the guardians of the wills. Yeah. Like when they said that, I was like, whoa. And like, clearly the Herald is not down with mother. Not anymore. Um, yeah. The well, end, got his of, daughter killed. Yeah. No, he yeah. totally was with her at the beginning, though. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if he was. He still is kind of like. But but it, it's also interesting. The mother is new. Right. The mother has not been with this cult forever. She did not start this cult. Mm-hmm. No, she's real new. Yeah, she's fairly new. She showed up a few years ago saying she had visions and they bought it. It, it makes me think that I need to head a cult. Doesn't look I mean, that hard. <laughs> it doesn't look that hard. I mean, she she definitely is in it for other reasons, right? She's not. She's definitely no matter how pure their their the belief system is, um, or or and, and what 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 it looks like they're going to be doing in this phase of the High Republic um, with the other books and the comics and what you're talking about with the young readers books. It looks like they're going to explore like the fact that the Force is more like God. Yeah, and that there are lots of different ways to worship the force to acknowledge the fact that the force exists. This is not something we've ever seen. You're either like a Jedi or you're a, not a Jedi, mm-hmm. but, but what they're presenting is a galaxy where if the force is a real thing, you know, and it makes sense. Like if, you know, if you have proof that God exists, which the Jedi kind of do, you're going to get a lot of religions to spring out of that. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, imagine a world where it's proven Mm-hmm. You know, so but but it is interesting that we're going to get to see like all these different belief systems. And I, and I wonder if if the implication is those hang around or if they get extinguished somehow over time or they get absorbed into the Jedi. I don't I don't exactly know. But I mean, something clearly goes bad on Jedi. Yeah. Like and I like this idea that there's going to be a battle. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. the battle for Jedi. Um, yeah. I like this idea of the convergence with all these different religions that like meet on yeah. Jedi and the Jedi are part of it. Like they're yeah. on in part of the convergence part of it, but not in charge of it. Yeah. The con, what is it? Conclave conclave or conclave, something like that. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to go to Jedi because I think that's going to be a big part of what happens next. Yeah. Well, like I said, Jedi's already featured in the comics. Mm-hmm. So, um, so okay, maybe not. Maybe it's going to happen in the comics and not the the books. Well, we're going to have the Battle of Jeddah audiobook or audio drama. Mm-hmm. So we'll at least have that. So and it will be. Ryan was saying earlier it'll it'll be in like the young adult books or or the on yeah. the um the young reader books maybe. Yeah, I think one of the YA books, not YA, okay. the young reader books. Yeah, because the Middle, young adult ones are going to follow the path. And if, Mart- Marta's rise to power, probably. Yeah, they're all about Marta. It's interesting on the cover for Path of Vengeance, the next one that they just released. It's a cave with like Marta and Mother in front of it. And the cave is full of the nameless. And yeah. then on the ground is the signal for um, the Nile. Oh, okay. And so I guess, yeah, we're going to see them slowly, I guess, shift into the Nile. How do they get from this to rec punk? I don't know. <laughs> to, to like space punks. <laughs> That's going to be interesting because they, you know, I guess 
Well, steampunk happens to every culture at some point, I guess. Yeah. I mean, they are hippies, but punks hate hippies. I don't, I don't, I don't get it. So they spend a lot of time, and clearly they're setting something up, about whatever happened to the Everini. So Yana and Martyro, whatever they're, they're people, yeah. they're people. Yeah. They keep talking about like people are scared of you. They know they're what very you untrustworthy. Did. Yeah, they know what you did. <laughs> like you will never yeah. be safe. Yeah, like, I, I, I don't know what you did. <laughs> they're a race that's known in the galaxy as being untrustworthy or evil or something, and they're safe there because they're orphans and because everyone there accepts them. But yeah, they keep being warned: if you go out into the galaxy, you're not going to be trusted. Mm-hmm. But that's what Marshawn is. He's one too. Yeah. Well, and I guess the big question too is: is he related, or is his? It would be his grandmother or great grandmother. Yeah. Which it's going to be one of them. It's going to be either Marta or Yana. Yana. Yeah. Considering their sexual preferences, I'm going to guess it's Marta. Yeah. I mean, I would assume, but who knows what she's about to do? She angry. We that's also true. don't know how how their people reproduce mm-hmm. who knows that's, also, that's true i was kind of surprised i was waiting when they at the end when she gets the rod of when she gets the rod of, carbon rod yes that's exactly which, what i'm thinking which of one so many Simpsons references tonight um which one does she get she gets the uh rod seasons. Of seasons. seasons yes seasons. okay yeah. and the rod of destiny is on jetta um yeah and I was waiting at the end because they said, from now on, you will be known as. I was like, they're going to call her the Eye. And they don't. She's the Guardian no. now. They came but, close, though. Well, she's she's like the Guardian of the Leveler. She's like the Leveler's Keeper. Yeah. And well, that's what keeps the Great but, Leveler, her little pet. <laughs> like, yeah. or it won't attack her. She can kind of control it. If you remember, like, Marshawn Rowe, when he goes to get the Great Leveler, he puts two rods together to control it. Yeah. So I guess we're going to see like the Rod of Seasons and the Rod of Destiny. And there's one more in the set. Well, I think they even mentioned in High Republic that they were split apart for their own safety. Yeah. They were split apart because and, and hidden so that no one would be able to put them back together again and, and harness the power of the Leveler. So maybe the Jedi end up mm-hmm. splitting them up and hiding them as a, as a way to protect themselves. But yeah, because the Rod of Seasons is the staff that he has the whole time, or it's the it's the thing that he uses to go wake the leveler up, leveler mm-hmm. up, right? Yeah. From the ice. Yes. We also have to figure out how it gets into the ice too. We'll see that too, probably. Yeah. How it gets I, frozen. I do kind of wonder, like, now they don't. I mean, with the two dying, no one alive has seen any of the nameless or the leveler. Nope. But still. No. You would think at some point one of the Jedi would be like, yeah, I've heard of this going down before. Like Jedi being found turned to like statues and ash. Like, yeah. Remember when this happened? Like, I'm guessing something's going to they're going to tell us. I'm guessing that that we're going to learn why this story gets buried. Mm -hmm. Why Yoda had to kind of go investigate it for himself to learn about it again. You know, because Yoda's alive at this time. And they have said, like, they go back to Delma. In this phase, like we're not done with Delna. So I don't think this is enough to meet that, you know, in the last, I think, was it in, which was it in uh, Fallen Star or was it in the YA book? I think it was in the YA book. 
Mission to Disaster. I think it's in the one where they talk about the tragedy at Delma and things were really bad with the local population. Yeah. And I don't think this story, I mean, nothing really bad, bad happens except no. they get there and not the two Jedi are dead that. and everybody's gone. Yeah. It's not bad enough that they make it seem like in phase one. No, and nothing, as far as the other people of Delma are concerned, nothing really even happens. To the, they don't even know about the Jedi. Like the sheriff says, "Yeah, the um, the Jedi are missing. We're we're gonna claim their ship. So uh, you might want to come get your stuff. Yeah. Come pick up your broken junk. <laughs> get your crap off our planet." Yeah, because they do have that chapter, the very last chapter, right? Kind of an epilogue mm-hmm. where another Jedi comes and looking for the Jedi that disappeared and finds nothing but the remains of the commune. They spend they spend like a page at least. In, well, at least in my version they spend a page talking about his connection to the force and and how the force will always be there and it's always there for him and like okay so you're gonna die horribly because the second you meet the leveler the force is gone for you forever i was surprised that kevmo got it like i thought like he got because he got away he ran away but he got just kind of brushed with it Mm -hmm. just kind of got him a little bit and just oh that was so excruciating the scene where he died was really well done, but really painful and hard, kind of hard to hard to listen to and slash read. I um I listened to the last several chapters and it was really tough and very compelling, but but tough to listen to because it was like no, it's yeah. like an like an alien movie almost where you're just so tense and you're just like, Oh crap. Well, that's what I was going to say that scene where she breaks the crystal eggy thing open and mini leveler is like skittering around the ground. I was like, Oh, it's straight up aliens. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> and then exactly. it gets bigger and bigger. Yeah. By the time, by the time the whole event's over, it's almost full sized again. or It's full sized already. Or it's yeah. It's like bigger than a char hound. Yeah. They yeah. Say. Yeah, now the now what we can kind of assume since there is this one leveler that the leveler itself was not on fallen the starlight beacon. Just a bunch of the nameless were. I don't think they mm-hmm. sacrificed the leveler. No. Yeah. In the starlight beacon thing. So the great leveler is still going to be out there when we get back. I think part of the story is going to be why the Jedi of 150 years from now don't know any of this. There's got to be a reason why. Mhm. They don't know any of this, you know, why Yoda doesn't immediately know this, you know, if Yoda was around then, why, why doesn't he immediately go like, Oh, like, so there's gotta be a reason why. Yeah. Well, and I'm assuming the, what is it? The planet X book. I can't remember what the full title of it is. Um, Search for planet X or hunt. Yeah. I mean, I'm assuming that's going to be the planet sunshine's talking about where sunshine just happens to know, like, Hey, yeah, there's like a planet with a bunch of these crystals just laying around. <laughs> like, well, yeah, sunshine. that's where you, it's where you got it, right? So yeah, yeah. Well, I'm guessing. I mean, you said the next cover has a bunch of the nameless yeah. on it, right? So, so they're gonna have to go get. That's gonna be their next step is go raise an army of these things. Yeah, I, I don't know. I this was not what I was expecting. Mm-hmm. No, I was gonna say that this is. I, I don't know what I expected from the new phase but uh this was not it and it's it's good and i've i've enjoyed this book but yeah this wasn't where i thought it would go i didn't think we would meet new people and say goodbye to them in the same book yeah we did that in light of the jedi you know, yeah. You know. yeah 
You know, this this series well, is real big on killing people off. Don't get attached to anybody. Yeah, I'm not getting you, too you attached learned. to anybody who's especially this far in the past. They're all dead. You learned with Loden. Don't get too attached. I know. Oh God! And then having to see Kevmo and and Zala die that same way, I was like, no, no, yeah. it's bringing all my Loden Great Storm trauma back. I like the book a lot. The Kevmo Marta stuff, I could have used a little less of. Just could not not because of or any other reason than like I already I got the point. Yeah, like I got it. Like it kept hitting the same points over and over again with the two of them. Um, you're so teenagers. You're attracted to each other. We get it. Yeah, so I thought maybe it spent a little too much time on that. Uh, I listened to the whole thing. I didn't read it. I had to look to see if it was Marta or Marta um, <laughs> before I wrote up my summary. But all in all, I thought it was really good. And I didn't know it was going to be... There's so many familiar things in it. Like, I didn't realize we were just going to straight out just get the backstory of the Nile like this, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess it makes sense. Why else would we go back, but... It makes me wonder when we get to the adult books, like, are the adult books going to be tied this much to phase one? I don't know how, like, maybe, what, maybe not. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think they're going to be, cause it seems like these books are going to give us the kind of origin of the Nile of the Nile. Yeah. And then the other ones are going to deal with these two planets and more of their war and for- mm-hmm. in their forever war, as they call it. Yeah. Well, if all the YA books are called path of something, I would assume we're going to, we're going to stick with, the path on that on that track i i would guess that the adult books aren't going to tie in as much now i do think we're going to see because we know in the adult books that there's co-chancellors yeah that that was and, mentioned and, in this book. yeah it's yeah. mentioned yeah. yeah and one of them's a jedi and so i kind of wonder if we're going to see them kind of separate a little bit and be like all right guys like yeah because we know by the time in 150 years, they don't have Jedi counselors anymore, right? Or Jedi, mm-hmm. or Jedi uh, chancellors anymore. Yeah. Well, and or they don't have co-chancellors anymore. In the first adult book, so we're going to follow Axel, who's a Jedi, but he's the son of the chancellor. Oh. So that's going to be even though the stuff. chancellor's a Jedi. Mm-hmm. So I guess maybe he's the non-Jedi's. Son? Oh, he would have to be, right? Because yeah. the Jedi shouldn't have a kid. Should You know, they go back and forth on this one. Like, Zala, she was like talking to Kevmo and she was like, look, you know, you've got urges, you got feelings. You should totally use those, but don't get attached. It's a confusing message for a 13-year-old. Yeah. Like, <laughs> making out with Margaro is a dangerous game. As they point out many times with their sharp teeth. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, because she's always like either kind of hiding her teeth or Mm -hmm. burying them. And and the book does mention it quite a bit. Talks about Mm -hmm. her teeth a lot. They have, Mm -hmm. sure. But they're just trying to, they're trying to reestablish, they're they're trying to reinforce this idea that, that their race is feared. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, and I think it's it's more about why she hides her teeth more than like, oh, she's got pointy teeth. That's scary. Well, now, Yana, though, she like uses hers and like tells her to bite somebody at one point. <laughs> well, Yana's no joke. She she mm-hmm. she's been out. I mean, she was trained by. I mean, she's. It is interesting when the book starts that she already kind of knows the mother's. I guess dirt. And I don't know if I call her dirty, but well, it's like all the children do. Well, except Core. Yeah. Core buys into it. But uh, what's the 
the was it TV TV trees 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 yeah the yes. book is in the book it's trees yeah trees. yeah like he knows it's all nonsense and he's about to get out with his he's having a kid and yeah I guess he's gonna teach his kid to throw knives I don't know he's always throwing <laughs> knives. I mean, he's the one that kills somebody in their first mission, right? Yeah, pretty nonchalantly, too. It's like yeah. the Doc Master, and he's like, hey, come out here and show me this. And then he stabs him and comes back in with blood on him. The children are all in on it, it seems like, because Yana wants to get her cut. You, you don't go looking for a cut of charity if you're not yeah. a lot dirty. I don't know if I... <sighs> Yana, in the end, like, Yana's sticking with it. Like, I get she realizes she can't take Mother out that fast. But she kind of, like, seems to go along with it a little quick. Like, it's a weird shift at the end. I mean, I guess she reads the room and sees Scary Leveler. I think Leveler it's her reading the room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, because, but she still has an ally. Mm-hmm. Is what, she, she has the Herald as an ally. Mm-hmm. So I think over the, over the next books, we're going to see not just um, Marta in, in the evolution into the Nihil and... Uh, the the use of the nameless and all this stuff. We're not just going to see that. I think we're also going to be following the Yana and the Herald story. Yeah, of trying to usurp, trying of trying to stop it. Basically, I want to see a drawing or a picture of the Herald because he's a um, Nautilin. He's Nautilin. a Nautilin, but he has all his tentacles or whatever they're called cut off. So he's like, yeah, bald, he had basically some- and has those like scars on his head. Some sort of accident or, or injury. Apparently the Guardians of the Will. punishment. Get up or to punishment. some business. <laughs> yeah. I want to see too. I want to know about No Space and how they find it. Like, and they talk about the Gaze Electric. Is it finished yet? Maybe that's where Planet X is. Maybe. Maybe. Because yeah. it doesn't, doesn't Sunshine talk about like a place he knows of that he wants to was it like retire to or somewhere that no one yes. else knows where it's it is? His secret path. His secret path, maybe that's, that's space. Yeah, that's why he killed that Santeca guy. Oh, I know another one too. I want to know about. So they mentioned a few times that they have a rich benefactor. Yes, many. Some, yes, yes. somebody is like financing this whole thing. They have several benefactors, supposedly. Mm-hmm. Or is it all the front that the mother uses to make excuses for where they get their money from? Where do they get their money from? They mention one well, guy's they, name a few times. There's like one character that starts with an R. I can't remember what it was. If Yana's trying to get a cut of something, they're stealing stuff and selling it. Because otherwise there's no cut for Yana right. to get. Right. So is it that they have a bunch of benefactors or is it that they have money that just appears because the children are out stealing it? They're they're out stealing stuff and selling it, and or when they steal these artifacts, they're stealing money as well. There's at least yeah. one benefactor, but the mother says that they have many benefactors. So, do they have more than one, or is it just this one guy, and then the rest of it they steal? Not that I necessarily want this, but it would make sense if that's how you kind of make the Sith from the background. That whoever the Sith Lord is at this time is mm. kind of paying these people to collect the Force artifacts to get them out of the way. That'd be interesting. Yeah. It was just one of like two guys. 
mm-hmm. whatever whatever two or, or the two Sith at the, at the current moment. But this is, yeah, part of their kind of machinations of setting up the Jedi on the long, the long con. And then we get finally to the Acolyte where you find out like, yep, Sith Master behind all this stuff. Yeah, that yeah. wouldn't be terrible. So, Ryan, what are we going to do next time? Next episode, we are going to detour from the readings and take it over to Disney Plus with Tales of the Jedi. So we'll get our six episodes of Qui-Gon and Dooku and Ahsoka. And baby Ahsoka. Baby Ahsoka. I have heard Plukoon is in it. Um, <laughs> it kind of has to be, doesn't he? <laughs> he sure does. And Liam Neeson is voicing Qui-Gon, which is always exciting. Look, you can only get the Taken money so long. I can't believe they couldn't get Christopher Lee. <laughs> Go ahead, Beth. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys. And thank you all for joining us. We will talk to you all soon.